We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Co-host TJ Inman will be here shortly. Uh, We're here to uh, break down the uh, Indiana-Nebraska game um, and and go over what went wrong. Uh, The final score was 27-22. Narrow victory for uh, number 10, Nebraska, who's since moved up to number 8. So we'll go over what went wrong, what we uh, liked, didn't like, uh, and the outlook of uh, the rest of the season. So uh, right now, Indiana stands at 3-3, three and 1-2 three, uh, and two in the Big Ten, and they head up to Northwestern um, on Saturday for a noon kickoff with the Wildcats. Uh, we're going to bring in TJ Inman right now. Um, TJ, how are you? I'm doing well, Sammy. Yeah, it's... Uh... Always, always good to talk football, even in a, a frustrating loss to a top ten team. You know, I um, decompressing after that game. It, I, I can't really shake the feeling that Indiana's never, or at least not in the foreseeable future, going to have uh, an opportunity as good as that one to beat a top ten team at home. Um, it's it's a, a frustrating loss, just like Ohio State it leaves you partially very encouraged that Indiana was, again, against the traditional power right there. And really, if we're honest with ourselves, outplayed them for the most part, um, especially after that bad start. And then it leaves you equal parts frustrated that uh, you know couldn't, couldn't pull it off due to a, a number of factors that we'll talk about here uh, in this next half hour. So, yeah, just uh, another... I think you you said it pretty accurately after the game um, with uh, with Alex and I. Just another gut punch, and that's really what that one felt like. Um, just a, a missed missed opportunity that hopefully we don't uh, rue too much at the end of the season. Yeah, it, it was frustrating in the sense of look, any time a top ten team comes into Memorial Stadium. Um, you, you'd like to win. And, you know, the last couple of years, you've had guys on the ropes uh, and, and looking to punch through. Now, if you, you know, were in a vacuum just looking at, hey, Indiana stayed with the top 10 team, um, mm-hmm. you know, you'd be encouraged. But I, I think the most frustrating part was that Indiana had Nebraska almost knocked out. Um, you know, the score, I believe it was 17-15 at the time, and Tony Fields makes a pick. Uh, I was sitting in the stands on Saturday, and the place was going absolutely nuts. Um, when yeah. he made that interception, it, all the momentum was on IU's side. Um, 
you know, they had just scored on a, on a Redding uh, touchdown, 33-yard run, which was a, a great play call that, you know, great play calls have been few and far between for IU, but that they are there. Um, but to me, and then to, to throw a screen pass and have two runs and punt the ball, that, that to me was the game right there. They let them up off the mat and, and to, to, to steal a, a, a Dennis Green line is we thought Nebraska who, um, you know, they, they were what they, we thought they were and, and we let them off the hook. And that's exactly what IU did. Uh, we, we said for a week, uh, that Nebraska was an overrated team, uh, th- that they had not been tested all that much this year, uh, that they kind of were gifted a, a top 10 position after all the upsets and, and losses last week. Um, and, and that's what they were. They, they, this Nebraska team played well. They're a good team. But um, you saw that Tommy Armstrong has not figured it out yet uh, throwing a deep ball. Uh, they got a lucky bounce on one of the plays where I thought Marcelino Ball played it perfectly. Um, and at first I thought it was an incomplete pass, but it was, it was a, a ridiculous circus catch that led to a touchdown. Uh, and then you mm-hmm. had three three defenders collide uh, on the other touchdown. And other than that, Nebraska couldn't get anything going. Uh, Tommy Armstrong, I believe, was 10, only had 10 completions on 20-something throws. Uh, and he just didn't look good. And I thought, you know, they, they IU played well, and, and they should have won that game. And it comes down to, you know, did Kevin Wilson have and, and Kevin Johns have the guts to take a shot uh, downfield after getting the ball after that interception? And they didn't do it, and they pe- paid dearly for it. Um, you, you know, the, the most puzzling thing was is that if you don't trust your offense, why are you, you know – why bother? And and then Nebraska went and scored a touchdown to go back up nine, and the offense comes back and scores. I, I think in three or four plays, and they took a good shot down to Ricky Jones. Uh, he caught yep. the ball and was down inside the five, and and then they they had a screen pass to Redding for a touchdown. Where was that urgency? You know, one drive earlier when you could have taken the lead, um, either with a field goal or with a touchdown, and really is delivered that knockout blow uh which has been lacking in uh indiana football it's you had this team on on the ropes you had them you know stunned and and, you know tommy armstrong couldn't complete a pass downfield i mean every pass was you know it was like that that sixth grade pickup football game pass where you have the guy with the best arm just tell everybody to go deep and he just chucks it up wildly as you know defenders run after him but to, to me, that, that cost them the game. And, and I, I just – I have no idea what their their game plan was there. And it was just – it was – that's the most frustrating part was that they had a shot to win, a legitimate shot to knock them out. And they decided to, you know, wait. If it was a boxing match, they basically held them up against the ropes and waited for the bell to ring. And, and you know what? They, did, they, they missed their shot and they missed the bus. And – uh you know, the, the rest is history. So uh, that's the frustrating part to me. Yeah, I, I think that's a very understandable uh, line of thinking and, and criticism in this case, um, particularly uh, two things that, that are pretty curious to me at the moment. Um, the first would be that, that third and eight play call 
essentially is passing on an opportunity to get a first down. Uh, and I don't mean passing as in actually throwing the ball. I mean just, you know, taking the third down and saying, you know, we'd, we'd rather punt. That's all right. Um, and I, I know that that's not what they were doing, but it comes across as that because the running game, with the exception of that Divine Redding uh, run, which was not a traditional running play, uh, with the exception of that run, the running game was virtually non-existent. You know, even including that run, they ran for under three yards to carry. Uh, Nebraska's front was doing that. That a, a was nice job. Right. I mean, if you take out the Xander run, the Mitchell Page reverse, which was, you know, the kind of play they scored on on the uh, on the touchdown, they they handed it off to Redding yeah. instead of he faked the handoff to Page and everybody bit, and it was just that play was set up well and and ran well. Um, yeah. But other than that, it was like, you know, your traditional it, it, runs were nothing. Yeah. No, it's the same stuff. Uh, you know, since Wake Forest. It's we're going to run Divine Redding into the, the middle of the defense, try and get him outside maybe, and, and hope for the best. And and it's just not working. And I understand the fans' frustration with it in terms of yep. it looks like they're running the same play. It's it's insanity. It is the definition of insanity. Is You're trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Kind of emblematic of the entire running game. Uh, for the day, at least for the running backs um, on traditional running plays is what I'll call them. And then it's kind of in conjunction with that. I I don't really know why there appears to be a major hesitancy to let Richard Legault throw the ball vertically. Um, And his pass per attempt or his yards per attempt are still tops in the big 10. Um, but they're not really letting him stretch on throws down the sideline very often. And I feel like he's been pretty successful with those. And I think that there was an opportunity against Nebraska secondary to get that done. And uh, against Northwestern coming up, there absolutely is an opportunity for that. And we'll talk about that later in the week and preview that all week on our site. But um, I'm going to be really interested to see, whether or not they will open up the passing game uh, to some vertical passes. I think Ricky Jones right now is doing an incredible job catching the deep ball. We know Nick Westbrook can do it. Uh, I, I'm i really going to be interested to see if they, if they allow that to happen because right now, particularly on the right side of that line, you are seeing the impact of not having Dan Feeney. Uh, if, if people don't understand how good he is before, I really hope they understand it now because the running game, especially to that right side on the stretch play is completely non-existent without him. Uh, and that's a, and yeah, and that's a play the last couple of years where I use gotten dumb. a lot of big plays where, you know, that's the play Tevin Coleman scores on at Ohio state and two steps and he's in the end zone and where Jordan Howard got consistently got eight, nine yards where, you know, they they get the blocking set up, and if somebody squirted through, Howard ran, ran them over, and basically how they shredded Michigan last year. So you're completely yep. right, and I, I think if writers uh, keep him off their All-American list because he hasn't played, uh, they're undervaluing him. I, I understand why you'd keep him off the list because of an injury, 
but that just yeah. shows you how good and how valuable he is. And if there was, you know, the, the fantasy baseball equivalent of a DL for, for all American teams um, of having a guy on the roster that you could plug in if he's healthy, he's got to be on the, on that list because he makes this offense go. Um, and it's not a joke yeah. when Wilson calls him the most important player on this team. Um, right. And, and, and you've seen it now since the second half of the state is this, this running game is non-existent. Um, and, and even with Xander running the, um, running the ball at quarterback, and, and I know he threw the ball seven times and, and ran the ball pretty well, but after the first three plays, Nebraska figured it out um, and they stuffed it. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the one pass that um, Mitchell Page caught uh, out of the, the screen from Xander, that was an awful throw. It was behind the receiver. And if Mitchell Page doesn't make a guy miss, that's a loss of three or four yards and, and everything's done. So to me, and they, I, they, I, they took a deep shot with Xander at quarterback. Well, they they missed did a take wide a deep shot down guy. the field. And and it was there. It, I think it was was it Donovan Hale? Is that? I think it was Hale down there. I, I'll I'll yeah. watch it over again. You know, but he was there. The, he the, was open, and it was over the front. So. Yep, uh, and you know it was there, and they had to play, and it, it's just becoming so predictable in terms of what you're going to do, and you're not going to surprise anybody else now with Xander Diamant running that that quarterback position. Um, it's on tape. Everybody knows that, you know, either it's going to be a screen pass or he's going to fake a handoff and run with it and try to outrun everybody. And he can't do that um, in the Big Ten every week. I'll give him credit and I'll give the coaches credit because I I think when they did choose to put him in there, uh, he executed what was in front of him nicely uh, on that that first series. That first series he came in, it it gave a spark. It gave a spark. Yeah, mid-series, it ignited a spark. IU was down, I think, seven, was it 17-2 or something at the time, and he got down inside yeah. the five. Um, they couldn't convert. And, um, no, of course not. And you saw, well, they him in the red zone. I, don't, I just don't know if you could trust him to make the right play. He gets sacked on a play uh, and forces them to, to take a field goal. Now, I don't know if, you know, you throw an incomplete pass and it's fourth and goal from the three, so you go for it and take the points. But, you know, if you get sacked outside of the, the five, uh, you know, between the five and the ten, you're, you're, on fourth down you're kicking the field goal, unless you're like the Colts or somebody. Um, but it was a nice change of pace at the time, and they ran into the ground, and it became – a predictable thing that may not have an effect the rest of the season against, against good opponents. Uh, now, could they run it against Purdue and Rutgers and, and Penn state uh, whose rush defense is, is suspect best maybe, but you know, against a team like Nebraska who has the team speed that they do and they're, they're underrated fast um, yeah. uh, on that team. That was the one thing that, off the page for me about Nebraska was their defense is pretty fast. Um, so, you know, to me, they, they burn that card way too too quickly. And, and now you have to look at, you know, why, you know, if you're going to have questions with Lego, is Xander the guy who could give you the best chance to win? 
or is he the guy that comes in for a couple plays, a drive, to get you a first down and, and ignite the crowd? But what what's Austin King doing? It's his second year on campus now. He has a good arm, and, uh, you know, his, his red shirt, he's redshirted a year. So, you know, let's see what you have in him if you don't trust Lego to, to throw the ball. Um, and, and, I, and I know why they don't trust Lego. He's too inconsistent throwing downfield. I don't know if it's a mechanical thing, but he missed a couple wide open receivers uh, downfield where he ball just sailed. Uh, the most notable one besides that pick at the end of the game was I think Nick Westbrook was open for a 50-yard gain, and he just threw ball like six feet over his head. Yeah, that one was open. Yeah, And that's been a good throw for him all year, really, is that out route. It's been a good throw for him. He doesn't miss that very often, but um, I didn't think he was bad on Saturday, but uh, he wasn't No, he wasn't either. awful, but I could understand why the coaching staff doesn't trust him, and I think they lost sure. a lot of trust after the Wake Forest game uh, where he threw the five interceptions, and, you know, I, I think that's in the head of the coaching staff, and, and it, it's now, it, it's almost, I, I'd like to think that it's mental is that they're not calling these plays because of that game and the throws that he made in that game where we've seen Richard Lego make great throws at times, and we've also seen him make awful throws at times. And when you have a quarterback who's a gunslinger like that, you're going to have to let it rip and live with the interception sometime. Yep, I, I would agree with that. And, um, you know, I, I'm I'm over – overall, I'm I'm okay with the – general offensive philosophy that they have. Uh, I think that they trust the defense a lot more, uh, which they should. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, it's it's a little bit too – I don't know if conservative is the word, um, but I think it's there is kind of a lack of trust, and I don't think it's too far off. Like, I, I don't think we're too far off of having – you know, a really nice 35, 38-point day on offense. I don't think we're too far off of that. It is just a little bit off. And um, there is an opportunity here in this next three-game stretch where, you know, that that could, if they can just tweak it a little bit, plus get Damfini back, I think we could see a a pretty dramatic improvement in the production of the offense. I don't know if that's going to happen right now. I don't have incredible confidence that it will, but I, I do think it's fair to say that playing against Northwestern, Maryland, and Rutgers is yeah, we'll going to look a, a little better sense. than playing against Ohio State and uh, and Nebraska. I think that that's yeah, fair and, and to Wake say. Forest and. So, and- you know, well, it's hard to tell Michigan, put Michigan yeah. State in that group, but Wake Forest has a tremendous defense as well. So, you know, I, I was talking to somebody else today about this. You know, let's see what this running game does against um, right. Rutgers and Maryland and Northwestern and, and go off of that. If they still can't run the ball against those teams, then you got a problem. Um, if they, or they if can, it's still broke it's, if Kenny is back, right? I mean, yes. There's, and the update on him is still, and we'll continue to get asked this, and I understand because it, it is really important, and I do feel like, you know, dedicated fans that 
pay attention do understand how important he could be, or at least they understand that he is important. So, you know, we understand that people will continue asking. Uh, point blank, we don't know. I mean, all that we have is what Kevin Wilson says, which is pretty much the same thing he has said for the past couple of weeks. Yeah, he might, just, might as well just run out more. there with a tape, tape recorder and he's yep. doing more. Um, but, yeah, that's another that's, thing. It's good to hear, but, you know, that doesn't mean he's playing. We don't know. I mean, I, I, I just really, really, really hope he's back for this stretch of three games because it's it's critical and he's proven to be an invaluable piece of the offense. We 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 knew that coming in and we're not wrong. So hopefully he's back and like you said, the running game is still a detriment to the offense's success. It, during this three game stretch against these three teams, if we're still seeing, you know, three three point five yards to carry, then it it's not getting fixed. Man, that that's still a full yard over the the the, the averages the last couple games uh but yeah they need to get this running game going it opens up the passing game it makes that this offense so much more dynamic uh and better um the the other thing that stood out to me tj is iu is one for 11 on fourth downs this year um right and they've left a lot of points on the field and i thought they left two field goals on the field on saturday uh when they elected to go for it on fourth and six, uh, which it would have been a 52-yard field goal. Um, so I believe the ball was at the 36. Uh, so it would have been, you know, 52, 53 yards uh, with the wind at Griffin Oaks's, and then they passed up yeah. on a 49-yarder, which is a reasonable kick with the wind, um, you know, uh, with Oaks. Apparently, after the game, uh, Kevin Wilson said Oaks has been dealing with. A, um, a a quad issue. Uh, it's been affecting his range, uh, which to me is yeah, yeah. You have another kicker on the roster. There's Aaron Del Grasso still there. Sure, he had an issue, but you know, it, 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 he didn't hit his girlfriend. They, they got into an argument over a dog. You know, it, it should have been a one-game suspension. Why are you holding him out and costing yourself points to to, to make a point? Well, um, the, the second half of that quote, if I'm not mistaken, is he's the best one we got. So yeah, I, I guess that his his feeling is that even a not 100% Griffin Oaks, which the announcers mentioned the quad issue during the game, so he he had let them know about it beforehand. Um, if his feeling, I guess, is that even a not 100% Griffin Oaks is better than the, than the alternative. Aaron Del Grosso. So I, I guess I don't so, know. But it, it's clear it's clear that there's five, not a ton of confidence in injury game. or not. So Yeah, in a in a five yeah, point game yeah. they yeah. they went for it on, on fourth down twice within it was maybe extended field goal range, but within range where maybe last year you trot them out and it was also interesting to talk today today and we'll get into it more on Wednesday. Griffin Oaks kicking on grass. Um, I, I brought this up last year uh, with the struggles at Michigan State, at Purdue, and in the bowl game was, does he have an issue kicking on grass? And out of nowhere, Wilson said something about that today. I mean, it wasn't out of nowhere. Somebody asked about the, the field goal unit, but, you know, he's 
been practicing on grass the last couple couple weeks to get ready for this Northwestern game. Um, but my, my whole thing is, look, if he's not healthy enough to, to give you what you need, why is he on kickoffs? Uh, you know, another writer uh, brought that up today uh, as a question. Why is he on kickoffs when you have another kicker who could kick touchbacks? You know, why not save that field goal leg if, if Del Grasso is not good enough uh, to kick long field goals? Why are you putting extra strain on that quad uh, doing that? So there are a lot of questions which lead you to believe that it's murky waters in Bloomington. You know, they can't get a straight answer on, on play calling. Uh, the philosophy that Wilson talks about is different than what we've seen on the field during play calling. Um, but uh, to me, you know, the offense has got to, if Dan Feeney's not coming back, you've got to adjust. You can't just sit around and wait. Um, as you mentioned, this is a big three game stretch. I believe they have to go two and one in this three game stretch. Um, right. And it's an absolute must to beat Maryland and, and Rutgers uh, after this one. Uh, you can afford to drop Northwestern, but then the next two are huge uh, before hosting Penn State um, and then going to Michigan and hosting Purdue. So, you know, the right. bowl game is still there. Your goals are still on the table. Um, but it, it feels like there's a little uneasiness uh, in Bloomington. Uh, but they, I mean, they're right there. They, they have great personnel. The defense is playing fantastic. Um, it, it's, you know, it's frustrating that, that Indiana has been so good on offense the last few years that that's the, the part of the game that has almost been a given, um, you know, is, is holding them back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's part frustrating, but then it's also part encouraging because I do trust, I do trust over the long haul, so over the course of, and we're talking big picture, so we're talking past just this season, which still has a ton to play for. Like you said, your goals are still in place. No need to panic. Um, so it, it's it's encouraging to me a little bit that uh, maybe you figured out this this plague that has been on the defense, and you've gotten enough. Not only are you you know, we talked about they just need to be not terrible. Well, not only are they not terrible, they appear to be pretty good. Um, and, and they're young as well on defense. So there's a lot of reason for optimism there. And I, I have faith, just based on history, that over the course of Kevin Wilson's tenure in Bloomington, however much, however longer that is, um, it, it, which – you know, we have no reason to believe it won't be another five or six years. Uh, so over the course of that tenure, he's going to have good offenses. So if they've gotten this defense thing figured out, I, I feel much better about that than just if the offense continued to, you know, score 40 a game, but the defense continued to stink. I feel better about the overall direction of the program than I have in any time that I can remember as a fan, even though, you know, the being competitive against Ohio State and Nebraska, uh, it's a good sign, but it's not good enough. Um, And, you know, I understand that. I get the frustration behind the close losses, especially 
the Nebraska one, which was right there for the taking. You should have won that game. So I get that, but I, I do think there's reasons to be encouraged about the overall direction of the program. Um, you know, if you go out and lose handily to Northwestern and then, you know, come home and, and lose to Maryland, then you're like, well, boy, you know, we're probably not going to a bowl game this year. And that, that takes away the momentum, some of the momentum that you that you had and, and really uh, kind of puts a damper on the, the positive feelings around the program. But we're not there yet. I don't think we're going to get to that point. And uh, we'll deal with the one game at a time. And like you said, the defense continues to be a positive point. It's a pleasure to watch. Uh, they're faster than I remember any any Indiana defense being. They pursue the ball incredibly well as a unit. Uh, and then the tackling is just better than it has been in the recent past, just way better. Uh, and they've got, they've got guys that you would consider playmakers on the defensive side of the ball in uh, Marcelino Ball, Tigre Scales, who continues to have an exceptional season, uh, Jonathan Crawford, you know, just a really good young core of players that you continue to, to enjoy watching every week. At least I do. It's a, it's a pleasure to, to see those guys continue to grow. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, I, I compared um, the IU season to a, a ship earlier today and said, you know, right now you're okay. You're, you're still afloat. You have, you know, the, the water's a little rough, but everything's still in front of you. Uh, you have three or four um, – you know, basically five out of the last six are winnable games. If you lose to Northwestern, you know, the water is starting to seep into the boat, uh, but you're still okay. Uh, you can still beat Maryland, Rutgers, and uh, Purdue. Um, but to me, the, the pivotal game coming up is Maryland. Uh, that's a game, if you lose, it's at home. If they fall to Maryland, now your ship is sinking. Uh, starting to sink and taking on lots of water. Um, and, yeah. you know, and, you know, you got to beat Rutgers. If you lose to Rutgers, man, it's all hell's going to break loose. Um, that's a team that's in a, a, a spiral right now. Um, I mean, they finally broke out of their, you know, three or four game shutout streak uh, going, but they're still not good. They lost to a bad Illinois team who lost to Purdue, who just fired their coach. Um, so there are three wins, and Maryland looks like they're back to earth, um, and Perry Hills is dealing with the shoulder injury. So a, a lot of seasons still in front of, of IU. A lot of things to be positive about. If they get Feeney back, the, uh, you know, you, you could start talking about eight, you know, seven or eight wins. Uh, right now, right. I think six Which should be is, great. Yeah, be great. Seven, eight wins would be great, um, especially with the way this season has gone um, and, and the troubles they've had with, with the quarterback, getting him into rhythm with the running game, um, getting that back, and, and we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. Um, last few minutes, TJ, um, you know, just what was one of the positive things? You know, we've been very negative on, on this show today, but what was one of the positive things you took away from the game on? on Saturday besides just being really competitive with a blue blood program like Nebraska that's having a resurgent season for them, which I know people don't want to hear. Oh, we're tired of being competitive. Well, 
you know, it, it beats the heck out of getting your ass kicked. So I I still take that as an overall positive that it was a game that was right there for the taking. The negative is they didn't take it, but no, still, I, I think it's a good sign you continue to be close in these games. Uh, so beyond that, for me, a big positive is the continued play of the secondary. Um, you know, back-to-back weeks against dual-threat quarterbacks, J.T. Barrett and Tommy Armstrong, you know, those guys are not the greatest passers in the world. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Tommy Armstrong, not the best decision-maker either, but the secondary really is is making these quarterbacks work for everything they get. Uh, And that's part due to the defensive line continuing to get penetration and pressure on the quarterback and make them uncomfortable. But it's also the play of the corners and the safeties. Uh, Richard and Sean Riggins stand out as the the corners, and then Crawford and and Chase Dutra looking healthy and being productive, Uh, and Marcelino Ball. You know, those guys – they're they're really doing a nice job. If you take away the big play, which was a scramble broken play to Stanley Morgan, which you can't take it away. I know it happened, but the Brandon Riley circus catch, take those two things away, and Nebraska got absolutely nothing out of the passing game. So I'm very encouraged. I think it's a big-time positive continued play at the secondary uh, and there's no reason to think that they can't continue to do this. Yeah, uh, that's a good positive. I think the positive I took away uh, comes a little bit from a negative. It's that they, they bounced back from 17, nothing. Uh, that game was on the brink of, of becoming a yeah. disappointing yeah. blowout. They uh, had a, a fluke touchdown. The opening drive was well-earned. IU held them to a, I think it was it was a few minutes left in the first quarter, and the came back. They held uh, Nebraska scoreless until the fourth quarter, let up ten points the rest of the way, uh, and just you know they put themselves in position to win, uh, but they didn't do it. So. You know, this team didn't quit. It doesn't quit. Uh, you know, we've said that this over the last couple of years. This team plays its best ball with its back against the wall. Uh, and hopefully, um, you know, we'll see that come out in the next three games. Is You know, this this is IU season right now is these three games. Um, and it starts at Northwestern on Saturday. Uh, and they're going to have to play uh, like they played uh, against Michigan State and against uh, Nebraska in quarters two, three, and half of four. Um, and then, you know, if you things will fall into place, maybe you get a, a few back, get some competent uh, refereeing. Um, and uh, the, the, the guy went I, I I thought there would maybe be a, 100 to 200 people who had a heart attack. Um, but – uh, anyway, that's a story for another day. Um, yep. But you, you'll yeah, start to complaining about the officiating. So good for us. Yeah, yeah, we we did. So uh, I I marked that down as a win uh, for us, TJ. But yeah. you know, pl- play play with the effort and and the heart that they played with 
against Michigan State and against Nebraska there for for the middle portion of that game, and I, I think they'll be okay. Um, hopefully they get Dan Feeney back, uh, but if not, you're going to have to, uh, as Kevin Wilson says, you know, dance with the people who got you there um, or yep. dance with the people um, who you have. So uh, they'll do what they have to do. Um, if Feeney's back, great. If not, let's roll out the ball and let's play some football and, and try to do uh, and try to uh, win these next three games. So uh, anyway, TJ, thanks for jumping on. Um, a, a disappointing loss, uh, but lots of season left here at the midway point. Um, enjoy the rest of your evening. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I know uh, everybody, there's another gut punch for sure, but uh, there's still a lot to feel good about um, with not only the direction of the program, but still what this season can be with with games that are certainly winnable. So uh, Indiana doesn't have to pull off any miracles to to have a good season. Still, they can take care of the games. They're very capable of winning, and like you said, it's all there in front of them still. So uh, I'm looking forward to Saturday and seeing what this team can do. Uh, finally, a noon, or I shouldn't say finally, but actually a noon start uh, for the 11 first time. 11 a.m. TJ. So 11 a.m. for us that are covering yeah, the game. You're right. In Illinois. You're right. 11 a.m. Yeah, breakfast in Evanston. There you go. Yep. yep. Um, but anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, re- remember, uh, check out HoosierHuddle.com. We have a couple new features this week. Uh, we'll have yep. our uh, bowl predictions, uh, projections coming out where each Big Ten team. Uh, who might be bowl eligible, where they might land, where IU might land. Um, and, and TJ wrote that up. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll – Educated it, dirt throwing. Yes, and it's, it's still a work in progress, so bear with us uh, in terms of where we have people and, and learning how the bowl system really works with all these conditions uh, and all that stuff. So it is a – um, a controlled experiment, and we'll try not to have it blow up in our faces. Uh, but we'll have uh, all our regular coverage as well. Our Know Your Opponent should be out later uh, this evening uh, when I get get to it. Um, I, I have learned a lot about Northwestern, so um, you'll you'll get a good scouting report on them. Uh, we'll also have keys to the game, uh, matchup to watch, and uh, some other. Uh, other things coming your way, uh, a little feature on the defensive line this week as well. TJ, thanks again, and uh, we'll see you on Wednesday. Yes, yeah, looking forward to preview pod on Wednesday. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and have a good, uh, good first part of the week. All right, thanks again for listening. Uh, enjoy your Monday evening uh, if you watch baseball or Monday night football. Uh, or anything else, uh, do check out HoosierHuddle.com. Follow us on Twitter at uh, Hoosier underscore Huddle. Um, and, you know, we, we appreciate your readership. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. 